Hey, race fans, Hall of Famer Daryl Waltrip here. You know it's time to drop the green flag on another edition of Meaning Right and Turning Left with Sadler and the Senator, powered by Pacematic. So, hey, pull those bells tight one more time. Here's my buddy Hermie Sadler and Senator Bill Stanley. Boogity, boogity, boogity. Let's see what they have to say, boys and girls. I'm Virginia State Senator Bill Stanley, and I'm leaning right. And I'm former NASCAR driver and Spock, excuse me. Spocks? Yeah. I'm so eloquent. I'm Hermie Sadler, Fox Sports, former Fox Sports analyst and NASCAR driver. Yeah. How's that? And you're turning left? Uh, obviously, I'm turning upside down. Ladies and gentlemen, if you've just stumbled into this, this is Leaning Right and Turning Left with Sadler and the Senator, and uh, we're off to a great start. It's been a, it's been a long day. It's Tuesday. It's four. Yeah. I just ran back from presenting bills. We had a long day in session that we were debating bills. We're getting to what we call crossover, and it's uh, and it's we've got 400 bills still in the committee hopper, and right now we're getting to the point where three days, <laughs> you know, we read them for three days in the old traditional way. I don't know how we're going to get it all in, but I know who we did get all in in this episode, what, number four of 2023, our mascot, our plus one, or will be Shep Mouse. Hi, Shep Mouse. You made it? I did make it, yes. <laughs> he got it yesterday, actually. <laughs> so you, so you We're got still on pass. that Eastern Stanley time as I keep uh, talking this about is, This is legislative Eastern Stanley time, okay? I'm, I can do the, only what I can do. And when you get, like in P&E, they call it Privileges and Election Committee. When you get in a P&E committee, most of the stuff is where it really is partisan. And so first they love to go over their own bills and they drag them out. And so I sat there for an hour. Oh, we <laughs> know. Yeah. And uh, finally heard my bill only to watch it sail out with a pass by indefinitely, which means kill nine to five. But it's it was with love. Yeah. Oh, so did you watch it? We had nothing else to do. <laughs> so we're over here at, high atop the uh, Stanley Law Group skyscraper in the Stanley Law Group law firm at the Stanley Law Group studio, overlooking the capital of the Commonwealth, beautiful Richmond, Virginia. It's a rainy day, but we have a special guest here, an amazing special guest with a wealth of knowledge, probably one of the best writers I've ever read. Uh, a man that has, has his fingers on the pulse of all things Virginia and all areas Virginia. A great historian, journalist, editor-in-chief, Dwayne Yancey. Former editor of the editor-in-chief of the Roanoke Times. Now the head honcho of the Cardinal News. Is that right? Yes. Welcome. <laughs> I, I was editorial page editor at the Roanoke Times. Okay. Well, so that's still it, isn't it? Yeah. In that editor-in-chief <laughs> or no? So so we've asked Dwayne in because if you, if you read Cardinal News, go to Cardinal news.org dot org and and you'll see really just a, a whole new perspective a fresh perspective on what is south of the james what is south of the james river what's what the real goings on are in the rest of virginia as we like to say outside of northern virginia so welcome Dwayne. it's a real pleasure and honor to have you here brother thanks glad to be here and uh, you had to sit in here for an hour with these numbnuts uh, did you learn anything or did you realize that perhaps you made the wrong decision he got here? the whole lowdown on what's going on in south hill oh really uh, Bert Powell Moss told him everything. And he inspired me to get the heater going. I noticed you got the heater going. <laughs> so we've got it up to 59 degrees. It did It did not smoke. And when we turned it on last not. time, it smoked. No. Okay. Well, uh, welcome. It's a little warmer than usual. And uh, <laughs> and these guys look a little fatter than usual. So I think I'm in a good I'm down shape four there. pounds. On your scale. Hey, turn around. I found them. They're right there. <laughs> On this scale in here, you're down four pounds. Four pounds. Hey, uh, I want to say quickly, 
before we get into the discussion, I spent most of the day with you earlier this morning. You did. In the Pocahontas building, also over in the Capitol. Uh, I came today in the capacity of a father of a child with autism. Mm-hmm. So today was Autism Advocacy Day. So my oldest daughter, Cora, came over with me to Richmond this morning, and we went around and spoke to many legislators about uh, autism and, and programs and needs and services and things of that nature. And so then we went over to the Senate chamber, and you uh, so eloqu- eloquently uh, introduced uh, Cora and I to the uh, Senate chamber. And But what a great day. We had people representing the Autism Society of Virginia. The Tidewater Region is the group that we were with uh, going around the uh, the Pocahontas building. So, and we were joined by Mandy Calhoun. Oh yeah, who uh, Shep, you know, you know very well uh, from South Hill. So, I uh, want to thank you and all the legislators on both sides of the aisle that were open their doors to families and advocates and people that are speaking for, in some cases, the people that don't have the voice. And uh, I felt very good. Um, that Cor and I were here to do that today, and and uh, it was a it was a it was a special day for for Cor and I to be here together. Well, and you guys, it's always great to have advocacy, especially citizens who come up and advocate a a particular uh, topic or subject matter. It makes us aware of bills that might be out there but not in front of us yet that pertain to a certain uh, issue that's near and dear to your hearts. And then sometimes what you remind us is we didn't do anything this year, and we need to. You know, we can. I think we're looking at five hundred more DD waivers. Uh, to get goods and services to to children with autism. But we've got to be more proactive. I think we just have to be willing to think outside the box. Maybe next year, if you win the Senate seat, we can think outside the box and create some some interactive programs between the parents and our public schools to make sure that our children, when they're sent to our public schools who have autism or special needs, that they're not just warehoused, that they're Mm -hmm. taught and they're given the skills needed to uh, be successful. One of the most interesting things Cora said because she's been kind of treading lightly on my foray into politics. Mm-hmm. But we got over here this morning and she started out kind of like, you know, because that Pocahontas building is very confusing. Yes. But the first office we sat down into and people started talking, the people with Autism Society of Virginia, the Tidewater region, started to have conversations with delegates and their aides about the lack of rooms in their facilities, lack of adult you know teachers and mentors and all these and how many people are on a waiting list talking about all these facilities and core looked at me like in the second meeting and said dad they're talking about lack of room in their facilities we don't even have a facility yeah so she looked at me and she said that's one thing we need to work on and so i thought you know what you know we can you start to learn more about you know, in Tidewater area, there's a problem not having enough rooms and enough people and enough resources and enough mentors and enough therapists in the Tidewater region. But in where I live in the state, we don't even have a facility, especially for these adults yeah. to, as they get older and, and transition to adulthood. No, no, And we had one guy, um, sweet little boy named Reed. I won't guess he's probably mid-20s. He had autism and Asperger's. And he had to move from the Richmond area to Norfolk, Virginia Beach area just to get services. And so he told that story. And you know, Bill, of course, Hermie is over here today as a as a father. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something that all three of us are. But I want the people, especially the 17th 
district to understand Hermie will bring the same passion and the same uh, energy to represent their needs and wishes as well as he's doing as a parent. And I just want to encourage everyone to go to SadlerForVirginia.com to find out how you can get a yard sign. I know Hermie is uh, – you've got those in stock now. You're ready to release those. Yeah. And I just want to stress how important this movement is, not only for the 17th district, but when I share the post, I think Hermie has seen it. If it's good for Southside, it's good for everybody. And I think Hermie being over here in the Senate is good for everybody. Well, I, I, you know, I love Hermie. And this uh, podcast, Leaning Right and Turning Left with Sadler in the Center, does not uh, support or endorse any campaign or campaign committee. But we can certainly talk about your campaign. Yeah. And you've had a big week, Hermie. I mean, you've, <laughs> in terms of state Senate exposure for a first time candidate, uh, I've seen you everywhere and national TV, national news articles, and probably the most popular and and well-listened to uh, largest audience uh, conservative radio talk show, The John Reed Show, like in a three-day span. How did you hook that up? I first got uh, someone reached out to me from Fox News Digital, their online platform, and reached out to one of my uh, campaign staff about doing a sit-down Zoom interview that would be posted only on their um you know, online platform. So I did that last week. The story posted. And the guy, first of all, sent an email and said, you know what, this is one of the most downloaded stories that we've had on this platform in about a year. You know, he thought wow. it was just interesting. So then two days later, and I don't know whether they talked behind the scenes, but one of the producers for America Reports, the um, the daily news show on Fox News with John Roberts and Sandra Smith, they reached out and said, "Hey, would you? This is an interesting story. You're an interesting candidate. We don't see these types of things every day. Would you come on and and be on the show?" So I thought we were driving actually to the Fox 35 studio here in Richmond, but as it turns out, Fox has a studio set up on the third floor over at the Pocahontas building. Yeah. So I went in. Everybody and, uh, saw you. Yeah, I went in. You were the got talk to speak of the town when you went in there. People were mad on the other side, I guess, in your primary opponent. Yeah, that the interview was here at yeah. an assembly session. And I had—I don't want to exaggerate—four people that I two I know okay, two I've just seen at different Republican committee meetings, either text me or sent me Facebook messages that are running for different delegate races around the state, and said. Hey, who who's your contact at Fox News? We'd like to get on. <laughs> you think? <laughs> well, he used to be my boss. Um, yeah, well, that's pretty. I mean, it's pretty hot it, in the General Assembly session at the Pocahontas Building. People are talking about it. Um, they come up to me and go, "Did you see it?" And I'm like, oh, "He only sent me like 14 clips of it." I mean, uh, I'll, but I'll I look did at all my texts from from Hermie showing me all the times he was on the air. Uh, two things. I did try to bring attention to. All of the Senate races coming up that are very I important. You did that very yes, I well. uh, tried to give a shout out to the governor. Thought you did that very well. So you know, I was. You even mentioned my name, so thank you. Yes. Well, I did. <laughs> I mentioned your name on John Reed. Right, but not on Fox. Is yeah. That when the camera cut off. Yeah. <laughs> That's really but it was a it was a fun, good couple of days. Um, but you know, I'm sure there are some legislators probably in the Pocahontas building that are not ecstatic that I little butt hurt. 
Did I did a, and and chances are right now if I was if I was uh, to guess I'm sure their other side is probably contacting Fox and said we want equal time we want equal time but the real important part was is that already you're bringing attention to the state election which is happening in November national attention national attention to a state election which usually does not receive that state election or that uh, that attention by the media and especially not so early so. Uh, how else? How how else is it going? Uh, so far, so good. You know, we we're working towards a convention, which we don't even have the convention date yet. As we sit here, it looks like it could be late May to early June. And you know how it is with my business. I, I do everything in my businesses by percentages and by sales and all that. And so we've got a budget that we're working towards. We thought it was going to be, you know, like May. Now we're trying to figure out how to move the budget into June and other things like that. So we're working on. You know, how to spend our money wisely and do the right things wisely. But me personally, I'm making about 100 phone calls a day personally in the mornings. And then I'm knocking doors in the afternoons, probably 50 to 75 a day in the afternoon. For a convention. For a convention. It's uh, unorthodox, but probably very effective. You think you got 500 conventioneers signed up? Uh, I prefer to keep that. Keep that close to the vest. Six, seven hundred. I prefer to keep that all close right, to the all vest. All right, blink twice if it's <laughs> over a thousand. One. I will say this only two. that I think we are doing well, even in areas maybe that I thought there may be more resistance, mm-hmm. but we've been doing well. You know, Bill, you got a phone, or Hermie, you got a phone call a while ago talking about name recognition. And, you know, just were you to touch on that. On, were you eavesdropping on my phone? Well, call? I mean, I could hear you across the street when I. <laughs> He's not quiet. <laughs> but my point is, you had a conversation with somebody about name recognition. And to Bill's point, you get Fox News to put you on. Yeah. Now, if they really want to talk about name recognition and bringing a positive recognition to the state of Virginia and to Governor Yunkin, as you, as you said, you mentioned him, what a better candidate than that? Who else is going to pull that off? Well, it's pretty good. Only, in, and I want to bring Dwayne Yancey, uh, guru of politics, all Virginia, all the time, <laughs> and see what his opinion is. But see, it's different. Like, you know, when I was a first time candidate, I guess what I brought to the table was I was a lawyer. So I was used to speaking to 12 people in a box. So speaking publicly wasn't that difficult. I'd also been a unit chairman. So, you know, you speak in front of people, you get them motivated. Uh, but a lot of first time candidates really aren't that polished. Um, and so Hermes polished because you know he was a news reporter, basically a sports reporter for Fox on the in the pits for uh, NASCAR for years and years and years. Works well with sponsors, works well with fans. Has that kind of style. He's natural. He's him. It's not fake. You're you know what you see in on TV is is Hermie Sadler, and so it's it's got a polish to it that I think most people don't have when they run the first time. What, what do you think about his chances when you when you look at the setup? It's a fifty one forty nine district that swings. It went. Uh, I think it went uh, Joe Biden by seven. Seven and Yunkin by five. Yunkin by five. What are your thoughts there, guru? Well, I guess the question was getting past the convention. True. Yeah. True. And conventions are unpredictable. Yeah. And and yeah, because they can be there can be shenanigans and controlled. Uh, I I interviewed um, or talked last week to a former Democratic candidate for the House um, from a couple decades ago. And he had been seeking the Democratic nomination for the House of Delegates. And thought he was going to win. He was in a convention until he said the buses started rolling up. <laughs> and he said that the first bus came from a nursing home. 
And he, he still felt okay. Then the second one showed up, and then the third. And then, of course, they were all for his opponent. So he knew <laughs> then it was not going to be a good day. So. so, Hermie, what he's telling you is you have to rent every tour bus in a 50-mile radius of Emporia yeah. to make sure that those buses can't roll in against you. Right? That's right. But you also got to rent them yourself. I mean, he brings up a good point, and, and you and I have talked about it. It's one thing to, to get a delegate, to go to a mass meeting, to be elected as a delegate. And then you got to get them from there to the next uh, event, which is the convention itself. Then you have to worry about the rules. You have to worry about all this different kind of weird stuff. Conventions, that's why this is going to be the last year of conventions. We've outlawed them here in the General Assembly. So now it's just a primary uh, run system of nominating by party for an elected office here. Isn't that amazing? That is. Yeah. Because conventions have a long and somewhat controversial history. Let's talk about your long and somewhat controversial history. <laughs> right? <laughs> Step right into that one. Yeah. <laughs> so, Dwayne, so Dwayne, when did you start? You know, you're a journalist. You're an editor. Uh, how'd you get into it? I mean, how'd you? It, it obviously you had a you had a flair for writing early on. I'm sure. Um, I grew up on a farm in Rockingham County, and I tell people, um, sort of like Bob Dole once said about the vice presidency, that uh, yeah, it was indoor work with no heavy lifting. <laughs> um, and I decided at an early age that I was not cut out to be a farmer. Okay. Um, so yeah, journalism. Yeah, my, my, my short answer is it seemed like you know, indoor work with no heavy lifting. I mean, the, mo the more serious answer is I was always the nerdy kid, you know, in fourth grade reading the newspaper. Mm -hmm. Um, and my original goal was to be a sports writer. Um, I was never very good at sports, but loved sports, so that was a way to take part without being out on the field. Yeah. Um, sports and politics are a lot alike. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where, in, in what way? Bare knuckle blood sports, yeah. Uh -huh. Well, you know, there's competition at the end of the day. Somebody wins, somebody loses. Um, you know, um, I mean, at the, at the, when I was at the Wrong Oak Times, yeah, you know, we, we always gear up for election night. Election night in the newsroom was the best night of the year. And the sports writers always made fun of us because they said, you know, we do that every Friday night during high school football. You know, <laughs> nobody comes back and brings us pizza. Right. You know, that's just, you know, how we work. Right. So, so how did, I mean, did you always stay local? So you're born here in Virginia, raised here in Virginia, yeah. you, you raised on a farm. You decide you want to go to journalism. Where'd you go to school to get that done? I uh, went to JMU. Okay. And then from there, did you always work for the for the Roanoke Times? Or? Uh, I worked for about two years here in Richmond for a magazine that's long since gone out of business. Uh, and then went to the Roanoke Times in 1982 and was there until I walked out the door in August of 2021. Wow. That's a long time, dude. That is a long time. So did I meet you at my first uh, interview when uh, when I ran in the special election of Robert Hurt? Were you on the editorial board there? No, I was not. Okay. I was not. Uh, I, I never had um, any desire. I, I'm not very opinionated. I, I was probably the least opinionated editorial page editor ever. Um, but I just sort of fell into that job. <laughs> well, you know, I'm going to tell you, we sat around a long table, went up there, and I was with Greg Habib. Mm -hmm. And um, and we got grilled, and I and I can't remember exactly who all was there, and but we went in separately, and so Greg says to me, Greg's running to replace uh, or to fill the last year of the seat of Morgan Griffith, mm -hmm. who was elected to Congress. I'm running to to fill the seat for the last year of uh, Robert Hurt, who got elected for Congress. It's a fast-paced one-month election, and they wanted us up there on the editorial board to determine who they would who they would endorse. 
And so I went up there and got just hammered on this. And, you know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm against raising taxes to help children and all these kind of things. And I walk downstairs and I look at Greg Habib and I say, there is no way the Roanoke Times editorial board is, is endorsing me. And so we high-fived. Because, you know, it's a kiss of death out my <laughs> way, buddy. And then he goes up about 15 minutes, 20 minutes later. He comes down and his eyes are as big as silver dollars. And I said, what's the matter, Greg? He said, I think they might endorse me. <laughs> and they did for a while. They did. The funny thing was, is you remember. So the funny thing was, is so they come out with the endorsements. They endorse my Democrat opponent in my race. And then they endorse Republican Greg Habib. And everybody in the Republican Party in the Roanoke County area in Salem go nuts about it. And he's like, he calls me and he says, what do I do? What do I do? And I said, well, why were they willing to endorse you? And it was because he would not sign the pledge not to raise taxes. And he says, what do I do? I said, you sign that damn pledge. <laughs> and, he went, <laughs> and he went out. Real easy. Yeah, yeah, he went and he signed the pledge and made a big poo-poo about it. Was it, what, two days later? They, they rescinded the endorsement. <laughs> I got a and question. And he won. I got a question for you. You know, because we were talking briefly before the show. How It seems like to me you've got to be a little bit of attorney, attorney You've got to be a little bit investigator. You've got to be a little bit of a tough guy. How, walk me through the process when you know you've got a, or you feel like you've got a big story. Walk me through the process of investigating that and, and getting that story factual on paper for the people to see. Well, the details probably differ from story to story, but... Um the, the, the main re requirement of a good journalist is to be nosy hmm. and to be curious. When, when I'm hiring people, uh, you know, you can teach someone how to write. And you don't really have to be a flashy writer to be a journalist. You can't teach being curious. People are either curious or they're not. I don't know where that comes from. But, you know, given my choice between a brilliant writer who's not curious and someone who's curious and isn't a good writer, take the curious person every time. So, yeah, you got to have someone who's you know, willing to ask embarrassing questions. Uh, I mean, that, you know, for some people, that's the joy of being reporters. You get to ask, you know, important people, you know, questions that no person would ever, you know, the senator's here smiling. He, he knows he's been oh, yeah. on the other side of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, I got another Roanoke Times story about that, too. Yeah. And, 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 and it, 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 without being obnoxious and being able then to just add on to, to handle, because, you know, I respect journalists, reporters' questions. I, I try to create relationships so they, I'm not going to lie to you. I'll tell you if I can't tell you something, but I'm not going to lie to you. I'll answer every question I possibly can. Um, but then that reporter just there. Some reporters carry with them an air about them of you know, you know I'm going to crush you. Cause well, I know who you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they actually kind of haughty the way they pull themselves together or hold themselves out. But if you ask me this a straight up question, even if it's embarrassing, well, if it's embarrassing, I probably did something to deserve the question. Um, but otherwise, I'm going to give you a fair answer. Just you know, what I see a lot of politicians do is they get their noses out of joint and so they won't talk to a reporter i would don't talk to him or when they when they when the reporter approaches then they get not confrontational but so defensive that the politician actually by being defensive hurts himself or herself mm -hmm. right over and over and then that ego gets in the way 
and they can make a real mess of themselves very quickly. Politician? Yeah. Ego? Right. Some people do, yeah. I know. Wow. I know, I know a couple. She's shocked, I tell no, you. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> What's the matter with that? I guess get in trouble by saying most of them are like from north of here. Yeah, yeah, all the ego maniacs <laughs> are definitely above the Mendoza line. Uh, above well, I live in Emporia, and we consider the line to be like Jarrett. I was <laughs> <laughs> none out west. No, no ego no. maniacs out west. No, there's you, there's no room to be an egomaniac out west. It really isn't. You, you, what are you going to do? I mean, nobody's going to listen. No prima donna. Your neighbors are like a half a mile away, so you can't like prance around or do anything like. I just got me out. I'll get in trouble for this too. And most people are bigger than you. You know, tickled. Listen to Bill. You know, we got here early. You got here early. He was working. You you were working. Had stuff to do. I get it. So you're blaming it on everybody else and all that. Like, like you don't have a propensity to be late because early today, my daughter and I and you and one of your staffers, we walked out of the Pocahontas building together to the walk to the Capitol together because you had eleven thirty caucus. Mm-hmm. So 11.40. Were you late? <laughs> 11.40, he's standing right in the middle of Main Street. You know, just we're just talking. Everybody passes by. He's yakking. I'm like, Bill, um, you're 10 minutes late. You know, and he's like, all right, so what, I mean, what, you know, like, it's like, what else we want to talk about? You know, <laughs> he didn't want to go. Well, it's always usually a packed uh, calendar. And it always runs over because you want to, you know, I make sure there's a lot of, I see a lot of politicians. They won't even bring people into their office. Or they won't meet with them because they're against them. So just by way of an example, I had the union guys up on Monday. And they wanted to see, you know, elected officials. Now, I'm not going to agree, you know, they had like four or five bills. I gave them a half a, okay, I'll look at that one. And, you know, I didn't agree with the other. But I had a great time talking to them. Some politicians won't even meet with them or they'll meet with I'm going to meet you outside in the hallway because you don't deserve to come into my office. I mean, what the hell? These people come up and advocate. I mean, I have Planned Parenthood people coming in and sitting down. I have VEA, you know. As a Republican, I'm pro-life and I'm pro-school choice. and So we're not going to agree, but I want to hear about them. Mostly, most of the times they're from your area. And three-quarters of the times you walk out friends and shake hands, even if you disagree. And that's the good parts about politics. But there's that ego that says, well, if you... If you're not just coming here to, to rub my butt and agree with me like a sycophant, then I'm not going to listen to you. But if, I, but if I agree with you, I'll give you two and a half minutes. And then I'll have my guy come in and go, all right, get out. I like to sit there and talk to them, especially when kids come in talk to them. And oh, yeah. That's the way you should do it. Well, it's only important or relevant because of our text messages last night talking about the time of the recording and the upcoming schedule. I was trying to accommodate Dwayne Yancey, famous <laughs> editor and playwright. <laughs> I mean, we and, knew what it was going to be. Yeah, but see, I didn't realize that today's docket, we've had nothing, Dwayne, but these small dockets, because we're not getting any bills out. We're not doing a lot of work in these committees. And so, you know, like I said, 400 and some odd bills bottled up in committees. We've got exactly seven days, um, not seven, seven calendar days from crossover. And for those that don't know, crossover is where we have to shut down the work where the Senate works on its own bills, the House works on its own bills, and we have to pass them out of the committee or defeat them. I mean, and then we have to get them to the floor, go through the traditional three readings. And people say, well, why do you read them three times? Well, back in the day before they had electronics, they would read the bill three days in a row. And they would debate it and amend it. And that's how they did it because they didn't have iPads. We still keep that tradition, but it's usually a perfunctory kind of exercise. Still have the amending on the second reading, that kind of thing. Well, we're running out of days to do that. And uh, have you seen ever been a part of that before when, when you've seen a bottleneck? 
It seems to get worse every year. <laughs> yeah, is that right? No, I, that, that's I, my impression. Upon reflection, I think you're exactly right. It is, and in this way, I mean, you've been covering the General Assembly for years and years and years. Uh, this year, at least in my mind, because of redistricting, has put what sixty-one seats uh, together. Potentially, all these incumbents are racing, either in Republican uh, primaries, Democrat primaries, or the general election. Bubbling beneath the surface is some kind of, I don't know, emotional attitude going on. I don't know that I could even describe it with a word. Perhaps you can. Uh, people not trusting people, people getting into their corners, you know, their, their partisan corners, uh, people always looking over the shoulder like somebody's out to get them, paranoia even. You know, I've never seen that before, even though I came in on a redistricting year. I don't think I can use that word here. Which one? <laughs> Redistricting, <laughs> <laughs> or the word, oh, the word you describe. Yeah. Oh, okay, gotcha. gotcha. But I mean, you've you've been watching politics throughout the years in Virginia. You report on it in Cardinal News uh, with some very adroit editorials with a lot of history. What have you seen in terms of the transformation of Virginia politics at the state level? Well, that's a big question. I know. Yeah, I figured I'd give you a big one there because <laughs> um, you're sitting next to two big ones. <laughs> <laughs> we have a weight loss challenge, so yes. we, we tease each other. Well, clearly, it seems to have become more partisan. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, I know it was always partisan, but in a different kind of way. Um, I, I'll say a few good things first. I, I, I like politicians. Most politicians I know I like. Well, there are three at this table. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good answer. You know, I, I think most are, you know, decent, decent people, whether I agree with them or not. Yeah, you know, I think their hearts are... Two it, are politicians, not me. Oh, that's you know, right. A, a, a wannabe over here. Yeah. Um, I'd rather be a wannabe. And my impression is that um, many legislators in Richmond get along quite well with one another across party lines. Uh, I, I've seen that happen. Um and so I, 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 I try to write about that whenever, whenever I have have a good example of it because I've, I've written that I think you know, the Parkinsons are going to be more like the politicians. Mm -hmm. What do you mean by that, though? Um, I think some of the Parkinsons, you know, they just hate each other. They just hate the other side, you know, think they're the enemy. Um, and, you know, that, that's no way to run a civil society. You know, we're going to have an election. Somebody's going to win. Somebody's going to lose. You know, but the next day we're all still going to be here. Right. You know, and somehow we got to figure out how to go along. Um, you know, I, I do see, you know, Richmond, you know, starting to become a little more like Washington, and that's not a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a good thing, but it is happening. I mean, it's, we used to always boast, you know, just a decade ago, we'll never do what happens across the Potomac River. No, you might. But we're doing it. We're <laughs> do doing you it. think that pressure is coming from national politics? Because Virginia, you know, I mean, this new 17th is going to put potentially so much pressure and can change really the national landscape. Do you think pressure is coming from across the Potomac field? Dwayne, what do you think? Yes. Um, and, and to get to, you know, sort of my, my soapbox, I, I think the decline of local media has something to do with that, not, not everything. Um but as local media declines, people are still hungry for news, so they're going to get their news nationally. So more and more things become nationalized. Yeah, you know, it used to be back in the day, and I, I sound like I'm old here, <laughs> but it felt like more issues were regional in nature 
And Democrats and Republicans, you know, work across party lines, and there are still some partisan things. And now it seems more and more, yeah, everything is yeah either D or R. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, we had a guy in here, political operative, who's saying there's a lot of, lot less um, down ballot shifting from R to D or D yes. to R. And they're noticing in all these elections that people are draw, drawing straight line. You know, if it's, your, if it's a Republican they like, then it's a Republican all the way down the ballot. We're, we're, we're choosing party over person, it seems. Yes. T- ticket splitting is almost a thing of the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No more ticket splitting means means that we kind of then get in our corners and we don't get out too often. Do yeah. We? Bill, you and, mentioned. And then there's a litmus test for whether that politician is truly a conservative yeah. or truly a liberal. And the litmus test becomes even more ridiculous as the years go on. It seems. Yeah. I mean, I knew in 2021, whoever won the governor's race, I mean, it was going to be a straight ticket one way or another. Mm-hmm. Bill, you mentioned earlier this morning something I hadn't really thought about because I've been focused, as we've talked about so much, on the 17th. But you said that the General Assembly, and especially the the Senate, could see a number of new faces next year. So I'm curious, what, yeah. how many, how much changeover could we possibly see, and could, is there any chance that things may come more become more civil then, or will it go further down the partisan path? No, um, well, the, what I see is a lot of Democrat on Democrat crime and Republican on Republican crime when it comes to these primaries. I mean, you've got. Potential um, Ryan McDougal, who's um, you know him very well, caucus chair. He's running against, or is supposed to be running against, Tommy Norman, who is our minority leader. He's been there thirty years. Lots of institutional knowledge. Right now, you have the potential of Mark Peake, Senator Mark Peake from Lynchburg, running against Senator Steve Newman, who has been there thirty some odd years. Lots of institutional knowledge. You have Dick Saslow, who's announced he's not running. He's been there since the Earth cooled. <laughs> um, you've got you've got Janet Howe, who's you know retiring. You, you've got Jill Vogel just announced that she's retiring, and then you've got a lot of institutional knowledge. Um, someone who loves you very much, uh, Senator Louise Lucas. She loves you, Hermie. By the way, she yeah. wanted me to tell you that again today, <laughs> uh, and so she just wanted to say that she loves you. But she's running against Lionel Spruill. Well, in each one of those matches, someone who's been there a while is going to go away. It may The risk is it may be the one with the institutional knowledge and the 30 years experience. It could be the person who's really worked hard, and you know, it, but it doesn't have that institutional knowledge and experience. So when you start taking out those pieces, I know Frank Ralph is running again. Um, you know, he may be the number one car in the Senate. You know, we all have our, our license plates based on our ranking. I started at 40. I'm at 18 now. Uh, chances are I'll be in the single digits if I'm reelected. In the seventh, so you know you're going you lose a lot of the old, which brings in a lot of the new. But a lot of the new is just like when I was here the first year. <laughs> what in the hell is this place? And what am I doing right? And I feel like I'm doing everything wrong. So, so I think you'll see a lot. You know, and then you have some new Senate seats. You have a lot of uh, people crossing over from the House of Delegates who want to run. Chris Head's running in a new Senate yeah. seat. You got Emmett Hanger, who's either going to run against uh, Mark Obenstein. He's been there forever, or maybe Chris Head. Or maybe retire. Who knows? Uh, you'll see a lot of that peel away, but then you'll have a lot of people that will, without that institutional knowledge, uh, I wouldn't drive a car without a lot of lessons. Uh, same can be said with politics, but they don't give you an opportunity to get your learner's permit here. So, you know, that's, that's what's going on. But, you know, when we're talking about upcoming elections, 
what do you see? I mean, I, I always see we're going to be forever close in time, never with the 65, 35s anymore. But what are you seeing in the electorate coming up in 2024, especially at the state level, Dwayne? 2023. 2023. <laughs> time flies, man. <laughs> I mean, it is Virginia. We have an election hey, every we, year. So we could talk about 2024. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, just, well, you know, we just legalized marijuana, man. It must be that. <laughs> just, uh, got an haze, man. Man, oh. that, that was all I could smell on the streets of Richmond today. I've been here all day. Seriously. Going from one meeting to another. At least twice, I've just been walking down the street and, hmm, what's that unusual smell? <laughs> yeah. yeah. We've well, had plenty of time to uh, sober up since you've been here waiting, so you should be okay. <laughs> well, I had I had some uh, school superintendents and school board members coming in talking to me today, and they are talking about that since this marijuana thing, that they are seeing – the incidence of marijuana and marijuana vaping at their schools really tripling and quadrupling i mean like out in carroll county and places where they'd say you know we used to have like one two or three incidents maybe now we're having like 15 a month and because vaping's out there and some parents are like well it's illegal but it's not legal for anybody <laughs> under 21 dude um, bill it's not legal on government property is that right i believe so i guess on government property can you, are you asking, can you smoke a marijuana joint on government property? Correct. No, I don't think so. Yeah, because we were, like in South Hill, we're going to have to vote on this. You know, if the county puts it on a referendum. Dwayne, is that right? I don't, I don't think that bill. That bill was 331 pages long. Ridiculous. Well, but well like think, we were saying, you couldn't smoke on the sidewalk. You can't smoke alley or right away. You're not supposed to be able to smoke On town property like a park or something like mm-hmm. that. It, I don't think you were. Yeah, that's It's meant to do that. Yeah. In public is what they try to prevent. So, um, but it, you know, can you imagine though uh, how much of an effect what we're doing here in Richmond by legalizing all the vices uh, is now how it trickles down into mm-hmm. the communities? And and they're saying, you know, we're not talking about at-risk children or or poor children doing this. We're talking about across the board, the economic spectrum of their student body, all participating in stuff like this. And and that bothered me today, really did. I mean, I just didn't know what to, to do about it. You know, what do you do? You can't unring this bell, I think, in marijuana legalization. But we've got to put the guardrails in to make sure that, you know, it, it bothers me that recreational sale is happening at these vape, shop, vape shops or will happen at the vape shops rather than being run by the ABC. The ABC keeps twenty one year uh, anyone under 21 from drinking pretty good. Why aren't we doing the same thing with marijuana? And why are we making cigarettes illegal for legalizing <laughs> marijuana? That one still gets me. Hi, folks. This is Hermie Sadler. Thanks for listening to our all-new podcast, Leaning Right and Turning Left with Sadler and the Senator. I hope you are enjoying the show as much as Senator Stanley and I enjoy bringing it to you. Whether you're a family traveling together or a truck driver hauling freight up and down the highway, I hope you will take the time to visit one of our Sadler Travel Plaza locations in Virginia and North Carolina. Sadler Travel Plaza locations are licensed dealer locations for pilot travel centers. And we also carry Shell Motiva petroleum products for our four-wheel friends. We pride ourselves on providing one-stop shopping for service, food, and entertainment. Our food options include Five Guys Burgers and Fries, Quiznos, Dairy Queen, Hermie Sadler's Show Bar and Grill, Victory Lane Restaurant, Hunt Brothers Pizza, Dunkin' Donuts, and much, much more. 
Our locations include Saddle Travel Plaza in South Hill, located off I-85 at Exit 12. The Saddle Travel Plaza of Emporia, which is conveniently located on Exit 11B off I-95. And Saddle Travel Plaza on Highway 58 in Suffolk. We also have our North Carolina location, Sadler Travel Plaza in Dunn, North Carolina. That's exit 75 off I-95. We appreciate all of our customers. And Bill and I appreciate you listening to Leaning Right and Turning Left with Sadler and the Senator, powered by Pacematic. Hey, this is Bill Stanley, Hermie Sadler's sidekick on this podcast. When I'm not in Richmond at the Capitol or doing this podcast, my real job for the past 27 years is as a trial attorney with the Stanley Law Group. Here at the Stanley Law Group, we represent our clients in every courthouse in the Commonwealth. No problem is too small for us to solve. No case is too big for us to win. Whether it's criminal charges, traffic offenses, civil disputes, litigation matters of any sort, we handle it all. We make sure that we treat every client like family because they are to us. Your problem is our problem. Your success is our success because we hate to lose more than we love to win. And believe me, we win a lot. Don't believe me? Go ask Hermie. I'm his favorite lawyer, and he hates lawyers. So give us a call at 540-721-6028 and let us help you. Or visit our website at www.vastanleylawgroup.com. That's www.vastanleylawgroup.com. At the Stanley Law Group, we'll make sure we're the lawyers that you swear by and not at. Well, I mean, we, where do you think we are? We have certainly transformed uh, Virginia in the last five or six uh, General Assembly sessions. And it's, for me, if you come from conservative south side, southwest Virginia, it's kind of stark and kind of scary. Uh, it, it's been a pretty dizzying transformation when you, when you think about it that way. Yeah. Um, Dizzying indeed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just can't. I got got tickled the other night. Makes you hungry, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Bill and I sometimes either talk or text. You know, uh, all times of the day and night, especially when he's bored at condo at late at night and all that. But I got home and you know now I'm doing my job and campaigning, doing all that. So I get home and we have our little unwind period for you know fifteen twenty minutes. So I'm scrolling facebook and i saw this guy who was apparently a friend of mine on facebook didn't but i saw a review that he put on that he had visited the new casino in portsmouth and it's only been open what a couple weeks yeah and i've screenshotted it and sent it to bill but this guy i mean like the first day he went when you would think at least in the beginning while the honeymoon phase was still going on that you know, things would be spiff and you know, spiffy and clean and extraordinary customer service and this and that and the other. But this guy made these comments uh, about his first trip, and and uh, Bill maybe look pulling pulling it up. Yeah, I'm trying to uh, pull it up to look at it too. But this guy was saying, you know, there's there's chicken tenders all over the <laughs> um, all over the broom, and there's okay. Here you go. This guy says. I won't call his name, but he says, my first impression of Rivers Casino Portsmouth wasn't all that great. First of all, he describes what he's waiting. It's 200 people waiting to get in, and somebody flies up and running at a high rate of speed and runs over a bunch of people at the front door, and that was scary, but maybe not funny. Okay, so number two, his complaint is, every urinal in the bathroom was filled with used joints. And enough weed remnants lining the tops of the urinals that I could go into business for myself. Wow. 
And then he says, number three, even though many, many hours at capacity, but the place was downright filthy. No trash cans outside to throw stuff away. So pe people just leave their trash and dinner, pizza boxes and Royal Farms chicken at the door inside and out. The inside was bad as well with what looked to be chicken tenders everywhere and general floor clutter. So, but I just got tickled with, you know, people talk about we shouldn't have skill games at these convenience stores. They're just not, a, you know, doesn't give a good look. They don't look, they're unseemly, unsightly. And then one week into the new casino in Portsmouth and there's enough uh, marijuana remnants. <laughs> marijuana and chicken tenders. Chicken tenders. So you did have the munchies. So, yeah, but I mean, so if you're smoking a weed, what are the chicken tenders doing on the floor? <laughs> yeah. That doesn't make any sense, does it? You well, know, your dad right. would have a fit if that was one of his operations. Woo! Oh, my goodness. Now, you talk about somebody pulled glasses down on now, the you nose. talking about somebody being mad. Yeah. Uh, Herman Sr., Herman oh, Jr. Yeah. You so, let one blade of grass <laughs> grow up in the asphalt. He will bring you a bag of fertilizer and a bag of grass seed. Now, so we're here on the thing that we talk about half the time because you know we filed that lawsuit. We yeah. know we won three times. Uh, we've, you know, gummed up the works according to some of these people back here in the Capitol. Uh, but actually, we've demonstrated how we can be responsible and allow small businesses to engage in gaming uh, through skill games and eliminate the illegal gaming that's going on and still protect this new emerging marketplace, which is dominated by casinos. What do you think about these legalization of casinos? We've talked a little bit about weed. Sounds like you can go get some at a urinal at the Portsmouth <laughs> Casino. Yeah, at the casino. <laughs> well, what about, what about the, the, the change, the sea change? Virginia was totally against any kind of gambling whatsoever, and now we embrace it like a long-lost friend. Yeah, we're, and we're going to have, what, five of them? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Bristol, Portsmouth, Richmond, Peter, Danville, any Danville, Danville, yeah. yeah, yes, Petersburg, Petersburg for one, yeah, yeah, and can it really sustain? I mean, can the casino industry sustain five casinos in Virginia? None of them near Northern Virginia, where all the money is anyway. Yeah. I mean, that is not my area of expertise. Um, oh, well, sit back; it's me and Hermes. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> oh my beer. <laughs> but I mean, think about the sea change just in policy. Uh, you know, when I came here thirteen sessions ago. I mean, if you brought up, and I know Louise Lucas was actually starting to yeah. bring up casinos, and uh, she just wanted one for Portsmouth, and uh, it would be laughed out of committee. Yeah, I mean, Portsmouth and Petersburg, yeah, accepting. I mean, in, you know, in Danville and Bristol, you're talking about casinos in some of the most conservative parts of the state. Yeah. And I forget what the, the vote was in both places, but it was very overwhelming. Yeah. Oh, in terms of voting for casinos? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. close to 60%. Yeah. And, and yet... Uh, for us, I think in Richmond, we get told, we've talked about this before in the podcast, you know, when you represent Southside and Southwest Virginia, they pat you on the head and said, see what we did for you? And when we're talking about, you know, for us, economic revitalization, tech talent pipeline, modernizing schools, making sure our children have the best chance of, you know, breaking the cycle of poverty or living the American dream. And they just go, here you go, here's a vice. Yeah. And uh, that should help. It, it should make some hotels and, and perhaps a... Uh, you know, a cracker barrel or two get built. Yeah. I, I, I write a lot about economic development, and I do worry, you know, that we confuse these casinos with economic development or that, you know, this is the end game. Right. Um, the, the, the best argument I've heard in favor of one was from a councilman in Danville who said, you know, we understand this is not the be-all to end-all, but it will generate enough revenue for us to be able to do these other things. 
okay, I can understand that argument. Sure. Um, you know, but I would just caution you. Know, I, I don't live in either place, so I don't think it's my place to say, you know, these are good or bad, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they're happening. So, you know, it doesn't matter what I think anyway. Um, but, you know, I would caution, you know, this should not be the end game. You know, they don't think that we have solved every economic problem in those places by having a casino. Let me ask you, we've had this ongoing battle, but really and truly, we own, we're in small businesses, convenience stores, truck stops, restaurants, as are a lot of people across the Commonwealth of Virginia. My problem with the whole thing has always been not casinos and not gaming necessarily. It's been the fact that these casinos are, and successfully, I might add to this point, until we have fought back a little bit, are lobbying our General Assembly to a point where not only are they coming into Virginia, but they are trying to create the policy or the policies in which they will be governed by, and they are unfairly taking revenue opportunities and creating an an unlevel playing field and in my opinion circumventing the free market system in the process so whether or not you support casinos or not or whatever do you have an opinion on the on the i won't call it an argument the debate on should casinos have a different set of rules when they come into virginia than the small businesses that operate and have been operating for the you know for the longest of time uh, when these casinos come to those areas well, I guess as a longtime observer of Virginia politics, my reaction would be shocked, I tell you. I'm shocked. <laughs> <laughs> I take that to be tongue-in-cheek. Well, you know, it, it, but it is quite a transformation for the Commonwealth. I mean, in, in my mind, it's a shorter period of time. And then once you open the door, I mean, everybody rushes in. And um, it's just changed the body politic. And and I've said this again before on a on – a, um, on a podcast episode, my concern has always been, Dwayne, when big industry like that comes in, then they want to control it all. They really spread, spread some influence around the General Assembly, if that's what you want to call it. And then they dominate the forum in terms of um, if any gambling bill comes before the legislature, it has to be filtered or approved by the casinos on high rather than, you know, the legislature being in charge. And that, that to me is kind of disturbing. I mean, have you ever seen that in any other... Any other business or any other way here in Virginia? Well, what about energy? I mean, do you tell me? Oh, right. Dominion. <laughs> All right. AEP. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty, I mean, isn't it like that for almost any industry? Well, the big ones, I guess you're right, because, you know, Dominion and AEP um, dominate this General Assembly yeah. as well, don't yeah. they? Yeah. In- insurance. I mean, yeah. Insurance companies. Insurance. A railroad. Well, not anymore. I heard. Not with my bill. I heard. My bill got passed today, by the way. We talked about the railroad bill last week's uh, podcast episode. That bill, we modified it again to try to accommodate the railroads again. Uh, And it passed out, I think, uh, 33 to 2 or 3. 33 to 3 in the General Assembly on the floor of General Assembly. So that's so important to get broadband internet to every uh, willing household. It really is. And you know, I heard, the Commonwealth. I heard the argument that today, as a matter of fact, Dwayne, that the railway is just too big. I mean, can you imagine with all the things we do that we have to sit down and worry about these crossings and approve these notices and these applications? I mean, do you know who we are? And my answer was, yeah, the 
the rail company that left Roanoke and took like 5,000 jobs with it, right? I mean, that was devastating to us when they just up and picked up and left. And then they said, well, we're going to Norfolk. And they're out of Norfolk. Now they're in Atlanta. Yeah, they're totally in Atlanta. So how are they dictating policy that, that really can affect and change a child's life or a family's life or bring industry and, and economic revitalization to our area when they didn't care enough to stay here, they took off for Atlanta. I mean, that, that to me is, again, the downside of when, when what you were just talking about, which is when these companies, when these industries come in, they dominate, but they don't care about Virginians. Do you think the casinos care about Virginians? I mean, you could be talking about media companies, too. Well, I, and we are going to talk about that because that is a big topic that I wanted to discuss with you. But, but then, you know, when they leave, then they suck the oxygen out of the room. It demonstrates, I think, that they didn't, never gave a crap about us in the beginning. And that's probably the way it is all the way around with all these industries. But, you, you know, you don't want a people's government to be run by an inanimate corporation. So uh, that has always been my concern. And so that's, uh, that's this about that. It's a gift and a curse. We were talking about it early. Yeah. What were you talking about? I, it's not for this show. But Seriously? It's a, gift and a, it's a gift and a curse. Sometimes for some localities, a big boom or a uh, big fish in the sea moves in. Right. You get the tail wagging the dog, and it can be very devastating. It's a gift and a curse. I'm, I'm just personally have always believed, like, I give my dad all the credit for – when my grandfather, and I said this before, but when my grandfather got killed, my dad was 30, and things were thrown in his lap, and he really had one delivery truck and one convenience store, or one little service station at the time. And my dad navigated and built and bought and you know put it on the line and did all that, the free market system. My dad's always said, and I believe it in everything, competition makes everybody better. When you have to compete with the guy across the street, you keep your place cleaner, you keep your prices more competitive, you pay people more, you train them better. And so this whole thing of just coming in and anointing a new king in town so that they have more and have something that the government gives them that you don't have, I just think takes all that away. We could be talking about casinos versus small business. We could be talking about our race team. We could be talking about a political campaign. Mm -hmm. The fact that, you know, I'm confident that whether or not I win this convention in the 17th, I'm confident that I'm making my opponent a better work harder. Oh, yeah. Well, and so competition, you know, should be and let people decide and let, you know, let the free market system work. So, that, so that's those are the things that. You know that that bother me, and so if you let if you let this, you know, if you just let this slide, then what's next? You know, if you just sit back and say, "Well, I don't like this," but you know, casino gave me thirty grand. You know, I mean, if you let it go, what's next? You know, I mean, I just don't, I don't get it. That's that's it leaves the door open. Once the door is open, it's open. Yeah, and it's and it's really a bother. And you know, Dwayne, you've seen as we were talking about earlier politics over the year, but. You mentioned something earlier that was really important. I wanted to hit on it because I really want to pick your bearing on the state of journalism and, and how it's posited with, with politics as well. But, you know, when I started, and I, I've said this like nine times today, 13 sessions ago, we had regional reporters here 24 hours a day during session. You know, we had Joe DeShiel had his own cameraman. 
Heck, you stayed in the same hotel as I did. You had, uh, um, who was the, the gentleman in the Roanoke Times? Uh, uh, Michael Sluss. Uh, Sluss. Michael yeah. Sluss. Uh, you had uh, Patrick Wilson. You had uh, Michael March. You had Dave Ress. You had a, a cadre of Commonwealth, you know, capital reporters. Yeah. And, and suddenly they're not there anymore. And suddenly, you know, instead of an independent newspaper, it's all being corporatized, even right down to the local uh, periodicals now. I mean, what has happened in the news industry? Well, if I were giving a speech, and you, you've now invited me to get up on my soapbox and Please. give my standard scum speech, um, here's where I would pull out my cell phone and wave it around and say, this is what has happened. That every day people vote in the marketplace, that they prefer to consume their news digitally rather than on print. Now, that shouldn't matter because every newspaper's got a website. But historically, newspapers are supported by advertising. 85% of newspaper revenue historically came from advertising. Most of that was local retail advertising. That advertising is now being vacuumed up by Facebook and Google. Huh. So over the past, since 2006, newspaper revenue nationally today is 20% of what it was in 2006. It has dropped that much. Wow. That money is all gone to Facebook and Google. And other social media sites. TikTok. So, like, Facebook and Google are like the Walmarts to the small yes. mom-and-pop stores yes, in the areas. Yes, exactly. So, you know, it's just basic economics. If your revenue goes down, your expenses have to go down. Well, the main expense of the news business is people. So, you know, I work for the Wrong Oak Times. You know, when I, when I, when I started with the Wrong Oak Times... The paper had a full-time reporter in the state capitol year-round. When the General Assembly was in session, we sent down other people. I remember at one point there were four people from the Roanoke Times here covering the General Assembly session. Now it's zero. 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 Not one. Not one. And you guys used to load up in the tables in front of the dais on the Senate, and it yeah. would be packed. And then the rest of you would be sitting up in the gallery, yeah. or the gallery with the, with the uh, TV media. And you'd be always outside the door waiting on us. Yeah. It's crickets yeah. now. And, and that is not unusual. Same same thing with you know, every newspaper in the state. The, the Norfolk paper used to have three or four people here. I don't think they have any. Julian Walker was one. Yeah. 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 So it is just completely shrunk. Um, Only because of that advertising. Yes. Okay. Yes. That, I mean, that's... That, that's it. I mean, Joe DeShield, Channel 7 WDBJ, carries his own camera and has to set up yeah. everything. He used to have a yeah. cameraman here. Yeah. T TV is affected by the same thing, you know, because they are not a physical format. You don't see it quite as dramatically. Mm -hmm. But TV has experienced the same thing. I mean, their, their you know, ad revenues have gone to, you know, Facebook and Google and TikTok and, you know, wherever else, too. Um, yeah. What is happening, it, it's like the end... My, my analogy is the, the dinosaurs. Dinosaurs are doing great. One day there's this bright light up in the sky. Dinosaurs look up and say, oh, what, what's that? Hmm. And then they go back to munching. The, you know, they don't realize their whole world is about to change. And suddenly, you know, dinosaurs are gone and mammals, you know, sp spring up and, you know, fill that niche in the, the ecosystem. Same thing is happening in the news business. Newspapers in print or dying all across the country for, for that very reason. You know, the internet was the bright light through the sky. 
and they have, for the most part, failed to adapt. In their place, though, we are now seeing the rise of nonprofit news sites like like ours. This this is my cardinal sales pitch for us, cardinalnews.org. We are not unusual. Uh, when we launched in September 2021, there were 300 nonprofit news sites around the country. Half of those had started in the previous two years. I mean, the you know the the growth is you know rapid and exponential. Now it's over 400, you know, moving on to 500. And that's measured by the ones who belong to a trade association. There, there are lots of others, you know, out there who aren't part of, you know, those trade associations. Mm. So I used to be concerned about, you know, sort of the death of democracy and that, that kind of thing. Right. Um, I'm not right now because, yeah, newspapers are, you know, going to go away. So you think they'll totally go away? You think it, we will it, see the end of the print newspaper I think in it, our lifetime? Um, yes, with with a couple asterisks. Yeah, your small weekly newspaper, you know, may survive. Your your basic daily newspaper, your Franklin News Post, your Martinsville Boltons, maybe or maybe yeah, the, yeah, the, the the dailies, you know, at, at some point the economics just don't support print. I mean, they're not even printing on site anymore. They're sending no, it out to no. print. But to, the, the the analogy is the music business. Yeah, we used to get our music, you know, on vinyl records or eight-track tapes, and then you know, CDs. Now it's all streaming. The interest in music has not gone away; just the delivery mechanism has. Same same way with news. The interest in news has not gone away. The delivery mechanism is changing, uh-huh. and if you're a company that is wedded to an unpopular format, you know. The free market will take care of that. <laughs> so, so, so I got a question, and, and I know Shep, you want to get in here too. But so, if the if the print news business is dying, yeah. why are these large companies like Berkshire Hathaway and other media, you know, conglomerates? Why are they buying those newspapers up? Because then what you see is they kind of eliminate the newsroom, they consolidate uh, how the news source is, and you're getting not an independent local news source; you're getting just the company's determination. Yeah of what an article should be, and then it appears in four or five of the newspapers that they own throughout Virginia. Yeah. It's called controlling the narrative. Isn't that isn't that the scary part? Uh, I don't think it's controlling the narrative. I think it's making money. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. But in hindsight, when Warren Buffett bought up newspapers, it was a real estate play. What? Because most newspapers are in grand old buildings downtown. Oh. So he big bought, factories for the print shop kind of area. Yes. So he bought up newspapers, put no investment in them. Right. Instead, you know, cut cut expenses, cut people, basically squeeze the last dimes out of a dying industry, which is his specialty. Then sold the husk of the news business, but held on to all the property. So in, in Roanoke. When Warren Buffett sold the Roanoke Times to, to Lee Enterprises, he held on to the to the building. Oh, really? And flipped that at a nice oh. price. Same thing in other cities. Wow. So he's making money two ways. So why are they buying the weekly periodicals in the smaller markets? Because they're just all part of the same. I mean, you know, when when they bought, um, you know, when. When Warren Buffett bought up, you know, the papers in Virginia, I mean, it was all just sort of part of the package. Yeah. And then when, you know, he sold the Lee Enterprises, you know, again, it was all 
all part and of the package. what is Lee Enterprises? Is that a local state? Uh, no, it's an Iowa-based media company. And what's their long-range plan? I mean, what's their goal? Are they Because it sounds like Warren Buffett got all the goodies. Uh, he, so what he, are they still? Well, you know, I, I don't work there anymore, so I can't speak for them. Um, <laughs> but you know, they, they at least are a media company. Um, they are trying, and you know, this is not unusual, you know, they're trying to hold on to print for as long as they can because it does still still make some money um, for them. But then there's a race to get online because someday print is going to go away. All you're going to have is online. Huh. Um, so what you see are basically zombie newspapers. I mean, I mean, I don't mean to criticize my former employer. I'm just describing a fact. If you look at the Lee Younger Prizes papers in Virginia, which would be – Richmond, Fredericksburg, Culpeper, Charlottesville, Waynesboro, Roanoke, Lynchburg, Danville, Martinsville, Bristol, plus a bunch of weeklies. They pretty much all look the same. Yeah. Yeah, they've, they've all got the same format and the same stories. Yes, same reporter. I mean, like a regional reporter yeah. rather than so, a local. So, so some of these, you know, have almost no staff, you know, but – you know, like like I said, they're sort of a zombie paper because they got you know the historical masthead. You got customers being regional, okay. But you know, I mean, the cost of the newspaper, like Roanoke Times, was like for a weekday was like a buck fifty or something. Yeah. I, you know, and luckily my face was on the front, so I bought ten copies, so I made them a little money that day. But uh, I was with a beagle. Hey, I mean, and that, that, that's the other way they are trying to to still make money on print is by jacking up the price. For the loyal subscribers who are still with them, yeah. But unfortunately, you know, you, you hit a price point, right? And you know, people people bail out. Did you give those papers to everyone who showed up for your launch party? Uh, no, because those numbers are pretty close. Uh, actually, I probably bought twenty copies, not ten. And you know, I keep them. And people ask for them. Actually, people in the Beagle in the, uh, in the Beagle uh, world uh, want copies of those things. Sure. Want me to autograph them? So I. I do that. But it's, you know, I look, it was a big, huge thing to get your picture on the paper of the Roanoke Times. I remember. It's like the cover of the Rolling Stones. Exactly. What do we say about? <laughs> I mean, when I was running. Humble goats, people and no egos. No, and no egos. Look, you know, oh, right, Hermie, you didn't you didn't like when Sports Speed Week had you, you know, on the front of the cover. I was a, one of the top 50 best looking things in the People magazine. <laughs> oh, were you? Yeah. 50 most hot men or something? The most beautiful people of NASCAR. Oh, seriously? The top 50. Well, I got, you know, when you was got that? A, you got a copy of that? Wait a minute. How many copies you got that? of that? Uh, one somewhere. I bet you got more than one. I bet I do not. Well, you have a museum. I you bet Angie's got one. Oh, she, she looks at it every night. <laughs> but I was maybe in early 2000s, one of the top, I was just gone to work full time for Speed as a reporter. And I was one of the most 50 most beautiful people in NASCAR. You know, beautiful. Nothing. Inside and out. Not sexy. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> Inside and out. Nothing <laughs> changes. Well, so, you know, down where I'm from, you'd love if you, you know, wow, look, I made it in the Roanoke Times. And, and like my first year when I was running against a big incumbent uh, who had been there for 20 some odd years, Roscoe Reynolds, a good guy, but a Democrat. And I was running uh, against him. Well, the Roanoke Times just seemed to be against me. You, you've got one writer that I'm not going to say his name, but he, he loves to hate me. He loves to talk about Well, you didn't want gosh, your endorsement anyway. Crap about me. Well, so so this is the funny See? part. See? That was back in the day when they had editorial boards. Now, yeah. now there's no editorial board because Lee Younger Prizes a few weeks ago laid off every opinion writer in the state except for one in Richmond. You're kidding me. No. Who'd they leave? Williams? I don't know his name. Okay. But, 
but so so I made so when I moved, I had to move in the new district. So I, I uh, rented to buy a farm, you know, lease purchase. And I was living there, but this guy named Ralph Smith moved into my district. He was the old uh, mayor of Roanoke City. And supposedly, the, the Roanoke Times was doing this uh, investigative reporting to see if we really lived in our, you know, in the district. And they went to the, the, to the residence that Ralph Smith was supposedly had listed as his address. And they peered through the windows. And they looked through the trash cans. And this reporter's telling me this. Hmm. And I said, well, what did you find? And they said, well, we didn't see anything in the windows, but in the trash can, there was no trash except for one co old copy of the Roanoke Times. And I said, aha, Ralph Smith would never read the Roanoke Times. That's proof he doesn't live there. And they, and they said, well, we're coming to your farm. And Next. I said, well, if you'd like to call ahead and then, you know, I'll give you a tour. You can come out. And, and I think it was Mason. I can't remember who the reporter was. And I, but I knew the guy and it was kind of a joke. And I said, but if I see you lurking around my property and with your head in my trash can, you're going to get a snoot full of my Glock. And it was a joke. Front page above the fold. Threat. Roanoke Times. Senator threatens Roanoke Times reporter with gun. And I mean, and Mike Sluss was up here and it was another reporter. It was Mason Adams. Mason. Yeah. And I loved him. I mean, we had a court case when I, I had a court case. I don't know if you remember this. It was a band. Yes. That, yes. That yes. was mooning. That, that was actually, they were farting on each other. And one guy pulled his pants down and put it in the in the uh, air conditioning so it would go back in the back of the van. And there was this kind of really wound up uh, veteran who was reporting. This was, you know, kind of around the during the Iraq War. And he was reporting and, and he sees this guy in his naked butt cheeks in the window of this van. And he chases the van down to Radford. You remember that? And has the police arrest the whole band right before they're going on for the concert at Radford University for indecent exposure. Mason Adams covers the story. Uh, I almost got thrown. The judge was not happy when I said, I had my guy stand up. I was representing the whole band. I said, can you tell me which butt you saw? <laughs> and, and the judge says, if you think they're going to pull down their pants right now, let me tell you, that's something different. So it was an acquittal, and he wrote a really <laughs> cheeky, cheeky story. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. Yes, she did. <clears throat> so I thought, you know, I could joke with Mace. And, and he writes this thing, and starts this editorial board that the one guy that likes to write his smarmy Articles just came coming out, and you know what a bad guy Stanley is. And um, I noticed care. so, so, but what we noticed was as I started going up in the polls, is that actually it was working to my advantage to, to have them attack me. And, and Sluss called down and says, You may want to stop because it's only going to help him, you know, because it's a strong 2A <laughs> district, a Second Amendment district. And uh, Mike was always, always loved and respected him, and he was always so accurate. and uh, so that was so that was there. So then they called me up. Long story short, I know I've dragged on this for too well, but long story short, I get a call from the Roanoke Times editorial board. They say we want you to come down, and we're going to interview you uh, to see if we're going to endorse you or Roscoe Reynolds. And I said I'm not coming down. In fact, I'm going to ask you, please endorse Roscoe Reynolds. I need you to endorse Roscoe Reynolds. It's going to help me. And I end up winning the race by 644 seats in an upset. Uh, but y'all, well, and your editorial board ended up not endorsing anybody in that race. Uh, but we went back and forth. And, you know, at one moment, if you're a young politician, you think, you think to yourself, my God, I've ruined it. You know, I, I was just joking around and I've ruined it for everybody. The other, only other time I got in the Roanoke Times was uh, in a court case. I said that it, my court case was set for December 7th. And I said I was going to drop a bomb in the courtroom on Pearl Harbor Day. And you guys put it on the front page. And... Uh, 
That was the only other stupid thing. After that, I've learned to keep my mouth semi-shut and only do bad things, say bad things here. So You've probably heard the story about the house race in Franklin County and I forget whether it was the late 80s or early 90s where a Rungo Times endorsement made the difference, but the other way. No. What happened there? Um, this was when Willard Finney, yeah. uh, conservative Democrat, yes. was the incumbent. The Republican candidate was a young fellow named Ken Rush. Okay. Rungo Times endorsed Rush as voice of a new generation, yeah, so forth and so on. Finney bought full-page ads in the, the weekly paper in Franklin County to basically say, you know, what did Rush, you know, promise the Rung Oak Times? <laughs> and basically use that Rung Oak Times endorsement against him. And, and Rush was probably going to win until yeah. he got endorsed and yeah. he did not win. Yeah, I, 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 we made copies of the Snoot Full of Glock uh, article and spread them around to especially our Second Amendment people. And, and they were very supportive. But... <laughs> So in our last segment here, I mean, let's talk about you. You've talked about what is happening now in the digital age with the news. Let's talk about cardinal news. You're wearing the cardinal tie. I am. Look at you. Um, you, you know, you, you've talked about this new emerging kind of uh, piece of that of the news marketplace. Uh, what is it and what do you see for the future of that? Sure. Uh, well, we are a nonprofit online news site um, covering the western third of Virginia. Which is usually gets no coverage from anybody. Yes, I mean that that is our. That's that's really good. What you're doing. you know that that's what we're here for. Um, yeah, financially it's basically public broadcasting. We rely completely on donations. We have no paywall. We sell no advertising. Wow, really? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, would you like to give us some money? Absolutely, make a donation. <laughs> I mean, um, it's important. Uh, and and yeah, we are. Um, well, let me let me get around to that. We we started in September twenty one with two reporters. Uh, our our mission was not to compete with the existing media, but to fill the gaps of what they're not doing. So, um, you know, we, we were told that the Rung Oak Times, you know, when I was still there, that there would no no longer be any capacity for in depth reporting. So our our mission was to do in depth reporting, and because they abolished their their political beat. Um, yeah, our, our first two reporters were a reporter in Richmond. Um, so we're the only news organization west of Richmond with a full-time reporter in the state capital. Is that Marcus Schmidt? That's Marcus Schmidt. Really? Now, and I want to say real quick, Marcus, you know, came down and covered parts of our litigation in the courts and all that. Did a really good job of being fair and open and honest about that. But the most refreshing thing is he took the time one day to come to Emporia we sat down, and he got to talk to me. We met. He found out not not just about the lawsuit, but about my family and why I was so passionate about sticking up for what we thought was right and all that. And you see so many people these days that call themselves journalists just retweeting things or copy and paste from somebody's Facebook page or whatever. So it was really refreshing for me to have somebody get in the car, come to Emporia, and not only want to talk about the litigation or the subject matter of the interview, but hey, w what is it about your family or your business that really brought you to be this passionate about it? And so that's a lost art in that kind of coverage today. So uh, I want to commend you well, and your you. team for that. Thank you. Yeah. So we started with two reporters, Marcus and Richmond, and a business reporter in Rung Oak. We are now up to five reporters. Mm. Uh, we have a sixth coming on board in a few weeks. And these are full time jobs. These are full time. All paid for 
by the way. We, we're very much fiscal conservatives. We don't hire anybody until we have a guaranteed three-year funding stream for each position. So then do you go out and, like, seek a donation for somebody maybe to pay, you know, in the same way that uh, some people uh, pay for a chair in a college? I mean, do you yeah. find a single source or you just say, okay, we need to raise X amount of dollars to get this, um, this guy or this it, woman? It has varied from position to position. You know, some have had a single donor. Some have been, you know, a whole bunch of donors. Um, you know, and we tell donors, you know, give us money, but you're not going to have any influence. Um, yeah. The big donors have never asked for a thing. You know, it, it's the small donors we hear from. Can you change the font size? <laughs> yeah. What's gotta, a big donor? What, not a name, but what does that equate to being a big donor? A uh, hundred thousand dollars a year. Wow. And and all of our donors are listed on our website. We are we are. No, that's why we don't have heat. <laughs> right, right. Just be happy you you put the heater on a little bit. So so and so you you're actually like raising money in a campaign almost. Uh, yeah, we're we're like grubby politicians now. Yeah, welcome aboard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah, every politician I know now makes fun of me for that. And you mean yeah. well now I will because now I know what you're doing. Yeah. You mean like people like give you money the, the the smaller donations, and then they ask you for something in return, like to change the font. The, 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 yeah, there was an actual request from someone, <laughs> you know, who, who I think probably gave twenty five dollars. Would you say well that that comes with the fifty dollar level? You get <laughs> <Yeah. that? laughs> it's just a little short. <laughs> font choices are at this level for yeah. a small fee. Right. we'll answer the phone. Upcharge. <laughs> so. Okay, so so you have donors, and you have some pretty loyal donors, I guess, right? They yeah. understand the importance of having actually a news outlet that is that is exclusively focusing on an area that's underreported. I mean, I think that's one of the big things that makes Cardinal News so important yeah. to everybody that lives here. When, when we first started you know, going around to raise money, we had never raised money before. We're not fundraisers. We still don't have a professional fundraiser. You know, we've learned. Oh, really? Yeah. You do this on your own? Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, not, not me. Our executive director is right. the one doing the asking, but yeah, we're, yeah, she's a former reporter, you know. Um, yeah, and it's not easy in today's yeah. marketplace to do um, this. But no one ever asked us, why are you doing this? Everyone understood why we were doing this. Their questions were, how? Right. Well, the how's easy. Give us money. <laughs> <laughs> right. But but the product is, you know, you do it, what, five days a week? It looks like you take your weekends off. I can tell you when I read VPAP.org, and I'm sure you read it every morning too, I go to the bottom to see if there's a Yancey column because it's going to take a little more uh, mind power to read. And so I click on it first so I can get to it. <laughs> and then, uh, but, but you focus on really some historical topics to, to try to relate our area to the rest of Virginia as well. And you do it so very, very well in how you articulate it. Well, you really need to sign up for our daily newsletter. Oh, is that right? Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not signed up for you. No, no, it's free. Okay. It's free. That's $25. <laughs> I think I'm going to get on one of these lists here if he keeps talking to me. So what do you see for the future? I mean, you know, it sounds like Cardinal News is doing great. You, you've upped the number of reporters. And, and ladies and gentlemen, and we have a whole bunch of listeners, uh, go to cardinalnews.org and O-R-G, cardinalnews.org and read. And especially the, your, your timeless pieces about the region or about issues in the region uh, really give you a great education, but I think really put Southwest and Southside Virginia in the proper light that it should be. And I commend you for that. Um, you've got to go read uh, what they have there. It's news. It's opinion. Uh, it's just a factual history on some things, but uh, really, really incredible uh, storytelling 
uh, finally returning to journalism. So in a year, we will have more reporters. Uh, you know, we're fundraising after three additional positions. We're part of the way toward each of them. Um, you know, that would take us up to nine reporters. Um, Which is more than most newspaper places have. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You know. Um, I mean, Michael Martz, I love Michael Martz to death. He lives in Maryland. He doesn't even come down here and he reports on the Richmond, you know, on the state capitol. And he never, ste- he steps foot here maybe once in a while. Yeah. Do y'all, do y'all have an office building or do people work from home or how does that work? Uh, we are all virtual. Virtual, yeah. Um, so we pay no landlords. We are, we are ruthless about keeping expenses low. Um, so, yeah. I, and how do people access y'all's website or if they want to get involved or donate money? How do they go about doing that? Uh, CardinalNews.org. We have no paywall. You can go there for free. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, click the button to sign up for the free newsletter or click the button to give us money. There's two different buttons or two the same button? Two different buttons. Okay. All right. And but but, the, but, the, the, but the reality is we have a very high conversion rate. Probably about 24% of our newsletter subscribers wind up giving us money. Really? So. That's pretty good. Are you a subscriber, Bill? No, he just told me about the newsletter. But I go on there every day. Uh, I check it out every day. So he's a freeloader is what he's saying. That's, I, yeah. I was trying well, to get to that. Isn't it kind of weird? <laughs> now, wait a minute. Isn't it kind of weird if I was a politician gives that. money, even though in my private life, my law firm gives money to a, a news organization, don't some people think that, well, you know, I'm just buying, I'm buying uh, ink? Because, you know, that came Not when we criticize you after. Or no ink. And you have done a very good job of that. You've been very good with school modernization, but, you know, also too, but... But just recently with the Ren Williams-Marie March um, kerfuffle where Marie accused him of <clears throat> assault and battery, uh, they went to court, he was acquitted. Well, I, I, your, your organization was reporting on some of the other things that were going on in, in Delegate March's life at the time that may, you know, I think were newsworthy. And they just turned around and said, well, it's because Ren Williams' family gives you money. I mean, how do you respond to that? Well, I think he gives like $25. So. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> You're that cheap? You're that easy? <laughs> Wait a second. I need to get... Hey, mm. loan me 25 bucks, Shep. Give me some money. I tell you, we do 10, 10, and 10, and we got 30. We can get all kinds of... We'll get a free coverage. mug. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing people need to remember about journalists is, you know, it's like laying down with the tiger. You know, the, the tiger may seem friendly at the time, but... You know, one false move and the tiger will bite your head off. I would think some people would actually look at it. I'm glad it doesn't seem like y'all do, but it seems like maybe if somebody gave you money, you might even be harder on those people uh, in some cases to prevent that. Yeah. Um, so I'll donate money, but my name will be Inigo Montoya, you know, something like that. <laughs> so as we close out this, uh, this great episode. No, I don't want to go yet. I don't want to go. Oh, you ready? Yeah. You want to keep going? I want to do like you do. Last time I had somewhere to be, I ended up having to walk out and let y'all finish the show together. I, I know you've got a dinner to go to, so I, I've got many, many, many more questions. Many, okay. many, well, many. You guys more. have the same one to go to. Yeah. Uh, really? Where are you going? The Southwest Virginia reception. I'm gonna make a. I'm gonna make a dump stop there, but I've got to go. We do these appreciation dinners. Yeah. For, so our caucus leadership takes goes and does these dinners where we. Sit with those who have been very nice and supportive of our caucus, and we talk about the session. And, you know, they, they invite certain senators to come along, and so this is one where I'm going to You got invited to that? Yeah, yeah, what time is this? Somebody wanted me to go to something. What time is this? It's 6. At 6? Yeah, what time is it? 
You're a little late. 606. <laughs> You're a little late. Well, so here's what I want. Okay, so and this has been great. And everybody, go to, to cardinalnews.org. That's cardinalnews.org and really get a fresh take on on the news today in Southside and Southwest Virginia. But, you know, Dwayne, you've been in politics forever. I mean, we can. next time we'll come back and we'll tell some – you've got some heck of a stories uh, that you've told me over the years. You're looking at a first-year candidate, Hermie Sattler. You know, how should he – what advice would you give Hermie Sadler? 17th My advice is give him 25 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> and, Actually, he'll take, and he'll take care of the rest. <laughs> we're going to see if Hermie can be one of the top 50 most beautiful Virginia politicians. Oh, the, the, yeah. If he make it that list, we've got – That'll be worth 50. <laughs> uh, so, so what kind of advice would you give him in terms of handling the media, handling himself, the things you've seen that works in politics, things that have not worked in politics? I think it goes back Maybe to what you... Maybe you listen to this too, Bill. I'm listening. No, I'm, I'm, gonna I'm go just back. telling him I'm going to be a little late here. I'm texting. Yeah, I'm going to go back to, to what the senator said earlier, early on. Um, you know, treat, treat journalists like people. You know, be honest with them. Um, you know, they're, they're going to ask you things you don't like. Yeah. Um, but, you know, being accessible. And, you know, if, if you think they're wrong, tell them they're wrong. But, you know, people can, you know, disagree in an agreeable Kind sure. of way. You would certainly think so. Yeah. Well, that's a lost art these and, days. And do you think, I mean, Hermie, do you think your experience in the news, uh, you know, as being a reporter, even a sports reporter, which is not really a reporter, but do you think that, do you think that gives you experience? It's a joke, man. Chill. Do I think what? Does Do you think that kind of gives you a leg up on knowing what to do? Because, you know, you went on Fox News, and maybe we'll play it here uh, next week, and you did a wonderful job. I mean, I, I would have probably been scared, you know, poopless, but you did pretty good. Yeah, I mean... Having done media, you know, in, in my Fox Sports days, when I was either doing the, the shows in the studio or even on pit road, there's no tape. There's no delay. When the red light comes on, I'm on. Yeah. And so there's no do-overs and those kind of things. So I think some of that being, you know, being able to, you know, stay calm and not get, you know, tied up. um, when you know, because I had no idea on that Fox News hit, it was live. Yeah, it they didn't was tell you what the questions. They were. did not. I had no right. idea what the questions were going to be, and so when you and plus on those kind of cameras, at least when I was doing my NASCAR part, when I was commentating, there was like a jerk camera or a screen. One of the people would hold around. I could actually see the broadcast from pit road. So when I was calling a pit stop, I could look at the pit stop while it was happening in my monitor oh. in case I was calling a pit stop that may be happening down pit road or something mm. like that. Yesterday, I was just looking into a camera. Yeah, I couldn't see John or Sandra. I couldn't see anybody. I didn't, you know, it was just all I had was the little earbud and them talking to me in my ear. So it was a little bit different. But I just think talking about politics that you're passionate about or trying to help Virginians is certainly I'm not. I haven't done that as long as I did talking about racing. But I do think having to talk live on national TV to a national TV audience in a live situation with no delay or anything like that, I think certainly um, is, a, is a benefit. Yeah. I think certainly is a, is a benefit. Yeah. And I, But more importantly, having, to your point earlier, name recognition from a network like Fox that I worked for for 17 years for them to want to reach out and talk to a first-time candidate in a state senate race and give it national exposure you know really almost a year before the actual election 
uh, I think is is that should be good for all of Virginia politics. Yeah, it absolutely is. And, and they gave you three minutes and 39 seconds. And plus they did a like a I'm not sure what they call it in Fox News parts. But back in the day, like when I was working at Fox Sports, when we were getting ready to come back and talk about to somebody in the next segment going to break, we would do like a little funny something with the person. So they did that with me, too. But I'm not sure what Fox News calls, but we used to call it a cluster buster. So they used to say, "Okay, Hermie, get ready. We're going to do a cluster buster, which would be maybe something where we went to break. And then in between commercials or while the commercials are playing, they would come back to us live for about 10 seconds and we would do something funny or just be talking or whatever, then go right, right back to break again. They did that uh, during the process as well. So, but it's, um, it's, it, I'm not sure you ever get used to talking to, I'm not going to say millions, but hundreds of thousands of people at one time on a TV camera. But I think all the years I did that uh, certainly is a help. That would have been the rock. Millions. In and millions. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, uh, we're going to have to wrap it up because I'm already late. At so, Dwayne's Bill, let me, what do you think? <laughs> did you watch the Royal Rumble Saturday night? <laughs> well, here I'm going to be Hermie. Well, you can keep talking. <laughs> I've got to go to this place. Hmm. I'm leaving. So if you guys want to continue to talk, i got to go do this. Actually, thing. I need to go, too, because tonight is our volunteer, volunteer night for my oh, that's right. campaign group where we're volunteers write postcards and make phone calls and do all that. So I do want to Make it back to Emporia at least in time enough to thank everybody. Now, give a plug to Cardinal News. Uh, it's a great, it's a great organization. It's a great website. Keeps you up to date on Virginia politics and regional matters that matter most to you. Uh, Dwayne Yancey, give us a give us a plug on how everybody can get there, donate and read. Uh, go to cardinalnews.org. Sign up for our newsletter. Give money if you're inclined. We've built the largest online-only newsroom in the state. Wow! Look at you. Yeah. I'm impressed. Yeah. I'm really impressed. And I'll give money under an assumed name. Can you anonymously donate? No, no. We've turned down anonymous money. We're <laughs> really? <laughs> just well, you could launder money to Shep, and Shep could funnel money to... Oh, yeah, y'all can do that. I'm not hey. encouraging that at all. <laughs> no, no, no. Wait, no, Dwayne. Can't you figure out how to do 100% that? 100% transparent. It's, okay, yeah. So ill-gotten gains are not, are not welcome yet. No. Oh, all right. Uh, what about uh, Bitcoin? <laughs> we've not gotten into the Bitcoin not be, okay no. alright well ladies and gentlemen make sure that you donate to Cardinal News CardinalNews.org and make sure you go visit and, and read uh, Dwayne Yancey's wonderful prose and his views on life and, and he mixes history with the with current events and politics and it's really something to behold I need to go see one of your short plays now, the other thing that you guys don't know we didn't get to talk about tonight is he is quite a playwright he does short plays that are that are put on all over the United States uh, and so you can always go see those on Facebook uh, at your Facebook page. But and I've got one in Lynchburg in June. Okay. It's a long play, actually. Oh, it is? Yeah. All right. Well, put me down. I'm there. Okay. Okay, I'm coming. Yeah, it'll be a Renaissance Theater in June. And what's the name of the play? Revenge of the Fairy Queen. Revenge of the Fairy This it, sounds right up my alley. It, it's my, it, <laughs> yes, it, it does. It, it is my unauthorized sequel to Shakespeare's Midsummer Night's Dream. Oh, there you go. I'm an English major. I'll come to that. That'd be great. Okay. Okay. Count me in. Okay. Gentlemen, we're going to go on a road question trip. for you. What do you think about the Super Bowl match coming up. They're not gonna I want to know about they? when is he going to invite Dwayne to drive the race car. We hadn't done that yet. <laughs> I was going to close with that. I, I, I had written it down, but you know you know, we run an open wheel modified yeah. touring series. We've got Bobby Labonte and Ryan Newman running Dwayne, for us. We, Mr. we need a Dwayne Yancey. You ready to drive the car? Why don't you come out to one of our what races? What kind of insurance do you have? 
Insurance. <laughs> in racing? What's that? We'll have several uh, several waivers and documents for you'll need to sign. Yeah, that's what I'm afraid of. Uh, you got to find your own fire station. What are you talking about insurance? Well, you know, come out and we're, we're doing a lot of fun things. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Here. So we're and, not going to uh, talk about the Super Bowl. You guys can sit here and talk about the Super Bowl all you want. You just need to drop that chip off so I can uh, download and edit this thing tonight so I can get out this week. But ladies and gentlemen, uh, I'm Virginia State Center's top chef. So, Dwayne, every time they got to go, I like delay and, and I never stop. I'm just continuing. Continue you just about yeah, put <laughs> Senator Reeves's comms director into a tizzy. <laughs> In her coma. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, so I, I always I always keep talking to the end. We're supposed what, what to wrap up. We never today. we never do. I end up talking, and, and he walked out one time and just said, "It's all new." But uh, ladies and gentlemen, another great. And episode. then when I did that, <laughs> they decided to maybe have their own show. And what would it be like uh, with with just yeah, we the senator and Chef, Chef Mo? We went out. It, for was, funny. it, it was, was funny. It was funny. That was actually in South Hill. That was that was. Yeah. And he no, we were no, no. You were at his office. No, you were at my yeah. office. We just kind of walked out of my own yeah, office. Because you had to cook. Yeah, yeah we I do remember that. And uh, how's Boyd Chevrolet Dodge Ram, whatever? Oh, it's doing great. Yeah. Having a ball. Tell Brandon we Had a great January, ready to kick off February. Good. Thank you again, Dwayne okay. Yancey. Thank you. He is a legend in the newspaper business, a legend in the editorial business, and now he runs cardinalnews.org, a not-for-profit uh, place where you can find so everything. So what's the, what's the rest of your week look like, Bill? <laughs> <laughs> it looks busy. <laughs> it looks busy. You know, I... I used to get uh, return text and phone calls. <laughs> now I don't get it. Do you get any? It's, well, you're still getting communication. It's I get zero communication. It's the silly season, okay? This is where, look, I didn't get out of a committee until, you know, and that was early. I mean, they're going to be going on until six or seven. Uh, tomorrow's. When do you want to talk to you about our freebies? Like Vince Welch got a speeding ticket I need help with. And, uh, I'll take care of that. Just send it yeah. to me. But you know we've got we've got busy stuff. Have you even up. read what I sent to you? Uh, no, <laughs> not at all. I gave up because you kept it's like. I, uh, you got in like I was a waitress at a diner, and I'll have the I'll have the sausage, and then you come back again. I'll have some pancakes, and then he kept asking me stuff, and I just kept. He done took his headphones yeah, off. Dwayne's done. <laughs> Dwayne, lead us out of here, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for listening to another episode of Leaning Right and Turning left with Sadler and the Senator. I'm Virginia State Senator Bill Stanley. I'm leaning right the hell out of here. And I'm turning left right the hell out of here. I'm Hermie Sadler and we also have (laughs) Chef Miles. Are you going to pay my parking today? Uh, Do I get a reimbursement? Sure. Put it it in to HR and we'll see if we can't get that back to you at SLG Consulting. Uh, Mr. Yancey, nice to meet you and appreciate all you do. Thank you. Yes, sir. Enjoy the reception, Southwest uh, Chamber's reception. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll talk to you next week. We're probably going to have to book some guys this weekend so uh, to double up a little bit because we got a lot of topics we got to cover. Who, you, who you got in the, the Super Bowl? Assembly done. Huh? Who you got in the Super Bowl? I hate <laughs> both teams. That's one I don't even care. Did you watch those but playoff games? The Clash is this Sunday, so maybe you come up yeah. let's watch the Clash. Let's do that. Okay. Gentlemen, another one in the books. I'm serious. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit this red button right now. Uh, nice to meet you. We'll say it one more time. I'm Virginia He's State gone. Senator. Yeah, there, goes, there goes Dwayne Yancey. Play the Dwayne. Yeah, play him out, the band. Uh, all right, I'll call you. <laughs> I'm Virginia State Senator Bill He's Stanley. In. I'm going to try this Y'all again. ain't got to go home, but you got to get the hell out of here. Uh, He's finally gotten cold. Yeah, so uh, I'm Virginia State Senator Bill Stanley, and I'm leaning right. I'm Hermie Saddle, and I'm turning left. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next week. God bless you all.
All right. By now, guys, you know, I love talking about old wrestling. What you might not know is it's not my real passion. My real passion is helping people save money. My real passion is getting families out of apartments and into houses. My real passion is getting people's finances aligned so they can retire on time. I hated going to Walmart and seeing the greeter being 80 years old. She should not be working. She should be home. Why is she still working? Because she still has a mortgage. I want to help avoid that for you. The other thing I want to help you with, let's make sure your kids don't get saddled with student loans. If you've got a student loan, why did you get one? Maybe because your parents still had a mortgage. I'm not saying that to be funny. I'm being sincere. There's only so much money to go around. What I want to help you do is figure out where you are right now and where you want to be long-term. And I do it at savewithconrad.com. I've been doing mortgages for more than 20 years. And during all that time, we've helped tens of thousands of families change their life. I mean, routinely, we're helping our podcast listeners save five, six, seven, eight hundred bucks a month, but more importantly, get them out of debt faster and with cheaper monthly payments. But if you don't think it can happen for you, let me just tell you this. We are not the bank. We don't say no. We say not yet, but here's how we're going to get you a game plan on how to improve your credit, how to save a little bit of cash and how to get into that dream house. Maybe you're already in the house, but it would be nice if someday we could put a pool in the back or one day we want to upgrade to hardwood floors or remodel the kitchen or get a badass master bathroom. I can help you do all of that with no money out of pocket right now at SaveWithConrad.com. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. And if we can't help you save some cash, we won't waste your time. Check it out. Savewithconrad.com, NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. And hey, y'all, don't take my word for it. Check us out. We've got an A-plus with the Better Business Bureau. And as if that's not enough, go look at our reviews. Read them and weep, haters. Conradreviews.com. You'll see more than a thousand five-star reviews. Our average review is 4.72 stars. Find out how much money you can save. Take control of your life in 2023 by taking control of your finances. We're going to show you how to keep more of your own money. If you've got credit card debt, what are you paying on that? 14%, 28%. You know, you can do better with the mortgage though. You may not know this. The interest you pay is tax deductible. And we can even show you how to skip your next two house payments. So if you could get a lower monthly payment, pay your debt off faster get a greater tax deduction at the end of the year. And right now, right after the holidays, skip your next two payments, buddy. This is the biggest no brainer in the history of the world. Find out how much money you can save right now for free at savewithconrad.com. Or Hey man, shoot me an email directly. Conrad at savewithconrad.com. 